An organization cannot change unless leaders are willing to do their own work. Hi, I'm Holly Ransom, and welcome to Coffee Pods, a podcast devoted to fueling your difference. Here at Coffee Pods, we have a simple hypothesis that in the mere amount of time it takes to share a cup of coffee with someone, we can tap into a lifetime of experience. And that's exactly what we aim to do here at Coffee Pods, to give access to some incredible individuals who've marched to the beat of their own drum and who are willing to share their advice, their highs, their lows, their insights, in order to help give each and every one of us the toolkit and the inspiration to fuel the difference that we're trying to make in our own lives, communities and organisations. Hi, Coffee Potters. There are two things I love about this podcast. One is getting to tap into these incredible stories, experiences, and insights of the guests that we feature every week. The other is getting to know our remarkable community of listeners. Uh, Every week I hear from people and how the podcasts have touched them, helped them, and they also reach out with suggestions of people to feature. And that's exactly how this week's guests have come about. Enter Danielle and Nick, and I should say they're our first Coffee Pods duo. They're the two women behind a business called Somebody Inside, a company dedicated to helping people stand in their own power, get out of their own way, and make life a little bit easier. Both Nick and Danielle have led incredible corporate and professional careers. Uh, Danielle has a background as a customer service director managing more than 10,000 people and a pedigree in human resources as well as having completed her MBA. Nick is an award-winning coach um, with more than 15 years experience coaching senior executives in the corporate world and leading major transformation projects. Uh, She's described often as a modern-day monk. Now, in this conversation, we delve into the voices inside our heads, the stories that we tell ourselves the way uh, that we can limit our own capability and how it is we can take charge of ourselves better in those moments, how we can develop a heart-based leadership culture and what it is that it takes not only to get the best out of ourselves, but the best out of the people that we're working with and the people we're leading. I hope you really enjoy it. Uh, Here's Danielle and Nick. Nick and Danielle, the dream team behind Somebody Inside. I've been very excited for this conversation. Thank you for making the time to join me on Coffee Pods. Oh, we're just delighted to be with you, really. Now, I'm very intrigued to know where this, what looks like a perfect marriage from the outside, uh, and I know you <laughs> both do have other halves at home, but this this beautiful working union, where did that first start? So it's really funny you should say that. We were teaching a group this two days ago, and uh, we were sharing the story of how we got together. And um, here's a, can I throw a concept in straight away, which is this idea of finding people in your life who create the formula one plus one equals three. And so that when you come together, you create something more powerful than either of you could ever create on your own. And Nick and I are really blessed, actually, that we're definitely, in fact, I think we're bigger than a one plus one equals three. Yeah. I think we um, we kind of push through that. And, and we're really clear that the work we create together is entirely different from what we would do if we were kind of out in the world on our own. So we met... Um, hmm, Seven, seven years ago. Uh, and it's a really bizarre story. Um, Nick had joined a company that I had left. So I used to work for Sky TV. Um, and Nick had joined Sky TV. And I had gone off to do my dream job, my absolute dream job. And um, it had all gone horribly wrong. So I'd gone to do my dream job. And seven months later, I literally um, walked out. I was an HR director and I, um, I, I literally walked out. And I was totally broken. And um, I ended up going to a dinner uh, with some of my former colleagues at Sky and um, Nick was there. They had all, they all knew what had happened. I'd never met Nick before and we didn't even speak. We didn't even speak that night until the end 
when she walked up to me and she said, um, I don't know what's going on with you, but something's not right. Here's my business card. Call me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And about three days later, after crying for a long time, I, my husband said to me, I don't know what to do with you, Danielle. You're broken. And I said, I've got this business card. <laughs> and he said, just write to her, write to her. So I wrote to Nick, who brought me into her workplace and coached me for, I think, at least two hours. And long, 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 long story short, as a consequence of that, I then came back to Sky and eventually became customer service director. Nick left and set up her own company. And the stars collided such that we stayed friends. And then uh, I decided to leave Sky and went to have a chat with her one day and said, I've come up with this idea. What do you think? And by the end of the evening, we were doing it together. And Nick, so tell me, what, explain to people, what is somebody inside? It's morphing into something even bigger than we ever experienced. It, it's a movement. It brings together women, it, remarkable women, incredible women who want to be something more in the world. The common theme we often, often see is women seem to know how to make life incredibly hard. And somebody inside is all about how could you make life easy? In fact, what if it was easy? And how do you create a life of ease and joy? We meet women from all over the globe. And yet there seems to be this golden thread, Holly, around people just wanting more connection and wanting to be something more in the world. You know, one of the things that we do a lot of is what we call thought mastery, which is how do you how do you create a totally different relationship with that noise in your head that you think is real because it sounds like you? And how do you push that to one side and be who you really want to be in the world? I love that because, I mean, we often use that phrase imposter syndrome to talk about that voice that, you know, all too often is present um, in those critical moments where we're saying we can't do this or that's too big a stretch or I'm not good enough, worthy enough, whatever it might be. Um, give us some of the, the tools that you use to help people in that moment because I meet not, not just woman after woman but leader after leader for that matter, male and female, who've encountered that voice sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. Well, our biggest technique that we come back to all of the time is um, – give you a couple but this is the most simple one and the easiest one when you're really experiencing that whole I can't do this I'm afraid it's all going to go horribly wrong our experience of that is usually your mind is going into the future so it's very much about if I open my mouth now all of this catastrophe is going to unfold or they're going to find me out or you know all of those kinds of things that go on and so our technique is really simple that we ask ourselves one question in the moment which is in this precise moment what exactly is going on that's scary Mm-hmm. And usually, exactly nothing. Uh, because if you come back to this moment, all we're doing, Holly, is having a conversation right now. And even if you talk to people, I love it. I love to do this work with people when they're going to interviews, for example, and they've got a story that they're terrible at interviews. And you simply say to them, if you can stay in the moment and, and keep asking yourself the question, in this moment, what's happening that's scary? All that's happening is you're walking into a building that you've never been into before. All you've got to do is open a door. Right. And then you walk up to reception and you say to somebody, um, here's my name. I'm here. Nothing scary. Right. And you can get them to a point where if they're really willing to break it down to exactly what's happening in the moment. Never anything scary at all. Mm. But the it's mind would have you believe garbage, you know. Yeah, that unconscious, like, you know, sort of the way that we can conflate things in our head. And my best friend and I spent a year uh, of doing things we're afraid of, 365 days of, of fear. And we talked about that piece of when, when you actually um, wrote down the activity or you had to explain to someone, it was amazing how often you would start with, this sounds really silly, or I know this is stupid, but, and then you talk about the thing that you're afraid of. And when you boiled it down, 
on the face of it, there shouldn't have been anything scary in it. But the way your head can run away with consequences in the apocalypse is amazing. And it's always about, um, we know, I mean, there's science to prove this, that 80% of what we worry about never comes true, right? Mm. So the more we can take the mind away from, oh my word, this could all go horribly wrong and just stay in the present moment. Firstly, the more likely we are to take calm action anyway. And secondly, we just don't waste our time in our lives worrying about stuff we're making up because we we're making stuff up all the time and that's another technique that we use with our women is to, to get them to notice how many times they're filling gaps in their mind with assumptions and what they think is logic you know so actually we're talking to you right now we can see you we can make up all kinds of stories about um how much money you've got how happy you are in your life but it's all made up right mm-hmm. and so imposter syndrome really lives in the land of what we make up about other people so very often I, you're sitting in the room going well everybody else has got it nailed and I'm an idiot totally made up you know completely made up and so we talk a lot about why you would try to avoid comparing your inside to other people's outside right yeah it's particularly hard in the age of social media right you asked another question again about what somebody inside is we do a lot of work with women around that how because what we've seen and it was a surprise to us holly it's just how mean other women can be women can be to other women and Mm -hmm. so a lot of the work we do with our women is is really getting them to to really think about who they're being in the world that has that start to show up, like what choices they're making in terms of their language, the conversations they're in with other women, for example, gossip, how in effect that impacts them, right the way down to, you know, what they're doing purchasing wise, you know, what kind of magazines are they buying that they think vicariously doesn't make a difference, but actually how are we fueling a world that has people obsessed with the size of somebody's bum or their cellulite or whatever, you know? And, and in doing that, you know, back to what Danielle said, you know, how how many women are actually what we would call numbing out of their own lives? They're, yeah, they're in their own life, they're, you know, they're, they're in social media or they're just numbing out of their own experience rather than being present. And so mm-hmm. just as Danielle saying, you know, saying that, what we keep bringing women back to is, who are you being in this moment that has you be your most powerful? And it's incredible exactly what, you know, we've been talking about, how much people make up about other people all the time. And so we yep. teach people techniques around that, you know, what, what am I making up about you right now? And how to bring that into a conversation that becomes a real conversation rather than a conversation based on fear of, I've got to say this because I'm making up that she doesn't think I'm credible or I'm making up. It's funny because when you were talking before about one plus one equals three type of relationships, I was also just thinking, you know, in that moment where when Nick was able to step in and be that coach for you, it's often so much as well around um, the, the circuit breakers or the people we've got in our lives that can step in those moments and help reframe the narrative when we can't reframe it for ourselves. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've tried to become a lot more conscious around in recent times is not just to your point about social media, not just who am I physically spending time with in terms of friends, but who's this kind of world of social influences that I'm surrounded with every time I check my feed. And if it changes my energy for the negative, how do I stop following that person? How do I stop reading that content? Because that's not a good thing to have in my life. And that's a technique we would teach really early doors with women. It's like really um, clean up the energy around you. You know, Nick hasn't 
um, watch the news for quite a long time. Yeah. I don't, um, yeah, I don't engage with, and this is bizarre, I've worked in the TV industry for like 12 years. I don't engage with any violent television anymore. I don't read violent fiction. Not because I'm like, I'm not walking around the world going, oh, this is all a really bad thing, but because I'm choosing the energy I want to bring into me. Mm. And so actually I started to realise when we looked at our um, our satellite TV box that our whole box was full of murder programmes. I mean, literally, that's all there was on there. And I said to my husband, all we do is watch people get killed every day. Why, why do we do this? And it was really interesting because as soon as we made a decision to stop doing that, you would never go back to it. You, because actually when you bring yourself away from it well that is it yeah you suddenly see the violence on the screen that you didn't see before because you were totally um numb to it you know you get so used to putting certain things in your diet that you, you you again you numb out to what is the impact that this is having and then when you detox and then you actually go and put something else back and you go, wow, hold on a second. Actually, that feels really, that tastes really sweet or it really knocks my energy off. And so a lot of the stuff that we, we, we do with women, exactly as Danielle said, really cleaning up what we call your system. Because, you know, you, if you have people around you that are constantly looking to bring you down just because that's their experience or their reality, guess what? It's going to be harder for you to get out of bed and go, you know, what? I can do this or, you know, to feel inspired. And all of that stuff makes a difference. It really makes a difference. The types of conversations you're having and the types of people that you surround yourself with. And mm. I'm, I'm not sure that... I'm not sure that women always see that. I think, for example, women are very loyal in relationships. And sometimes, for example, when it comes to friends, there's a sense of, well, this person's always been my friend and therefore. Um, and men, I think men are, are different like that. It's the sense of, is this working? If it's not right, that's it, I'm off. And so we really help women get really clear about the types of relationships they want to be in and the ones that serve and the ones that don't. It's interesting you mentioned Perfect System because I was reading, uh, Danielle, I think it was one of the pieces that you'd done on the blog, which was talking about how often we've got the perfect system for the result we don't want. (laughs) And sort of what I'm hearing you say, Nick, is sort of part of it is around bringing a consciousness to the way that we're living, um, to our behaviours, to, again, what result are they producing and do I actively want to choose that behaviour if it's producing that result? Or do I want to change my relationship to what I'm doing or change my behaviour? Once we're willing to get our heads around that we create almost everything in our own lives. And I want to, you know, if anyone's listening to this who's going through an abusive relationship and they're like, put that to one side for a minute, let's just be with everything else. You know, we can't, sometimes we can't help if a sociopath turns up and all that kind of thing. But if we're open to, we create our own lives. So our life is exactly the way it is because we've made it that way. (laughs) That is so exciting if you let it be, right? Because it moves you out of the world does things to me into, well, I can do something new then. Right. And this whole idea of, you know, perfect systems are amazing. The idea of perfect system is that we just we're constantly honing systems for our lives being the way they are right now. So people who are late all the time go out in the world and teach other people how to be late all the time because they know all the component parts of it. Right? They're world experts in it. And as soon as you start to make a decision that to really investigate, how have I created this? It's a bit icky because it's much more fun to believe other people do stuff to you. (laughs) Um, But actually, as soon as you're willing to go, well, if I created it, then I can change it. You're just in this whole world where everything opens up to you. You know, you can have the things you want. And to give you an example, I was coaching a woman a couple of weeks ago and she'd been approached for a a really significant promotion. And um, she came to me and said, I don't think I want it. 
I really don't think I want it because I don't want these things. And I said, well, why don't you ask for what you do want? And she, it was like, I said to her, can you grow another leg, please? And mm-hmm. she looked at me because the thing she wanted in her head, she couldn't have. And I said, but you know you want to go and serve this new leader. You know that they really want you. And you know you don't want this job. I said, and at the moment, your solution is take this job I don't want and hope I can make it work. Or don't take it and let this person down that I really want to serve. Go and ask her for what you want. It's interesting because you're sort of moving us out of the binary there and saying there's other options and opportunities to think beyond yes, no, black and white. Whereas we so often place these overwhelmingly large fork in the road moments, which heaps the pressure on. It's like, geez, there's no perfect outcome here. And, you know, either way, I'm not feeling like I'm fulfilled or happy. It's Mm. always either or. And and to be absolutely honest, it's usually a crock of shit, both options. (laughs) And so again, when you ask us, what is somebody inside? Somebody inside is not about, you've got to suck up a life. Like, you know, so often women will come to us and they've got this, this tiny, tiny belief, which is you just got to suck it up. And it's like, imagine if, imagine if you created a life where you really didn't need to suck up anything. And so we're all about, you know, infinite possibilities. There's always, always infinite possibilities. There may be some which feel more palatable than others, but it can be so exciting just to really get people into a different space. And go, but what about this? What about this? And they just start to light up like Christmas trees. It's amazing. And I'm going to bet, Holly, in your year of fear, there were times when you had to ask for something that actually didn't seem that big at all, mm-hmm. but was scary to ask for it. Why would I be scared just to say, can I have this, please? Yeah, I, I think we place a lot of fear around asking. There are certain thresholds, right? Sometimes it might be an ask at that level. For others of us, it must be it might be the more personal or the more vulnerable of the ask. So they can take all sorts of different forms. But I think that's why when people ask you, what did you do in that year? You know, a lot of it was those moment interactions with people that either were significant to you or where you thought like you were being vulnerable or exposed in letting something that you clearly wanted be known or whatever it might be. And that can be incredibly scary. As much as we feel like it's not, worthy of talking about and it feels like almost shameful that that's something we're afraid of which is part of the judgment cycle and it's those small things that if you can be willing to make powerful requests to ask for things with no expectation that people will give you what you want they're life-changing you know so you can focus on scary being I don't want to jump out of planes or you know I had a great example recently where I, um, I locked myself out of my flat I don't know what you call them apartments maybe over there and um, I literally had my dog, a lead, and two poo bags in case he went to the toilet, right? That was it. And um, I needed, I knew Nick had keys for my flat. She lives like 40 minutes walk away. And then I remembered we have an Airbnb um, lockbox for our flat because we let it out sometimes. But I didn't know the number to it. So I thought, well, I need to ask somebody if I can borrow their phone so I can check our Airbnb account. Um, and that will be really easy. Well, I swear to you, I stood on this corner for about 10 minutes deciding who looked like they would help me. <laughs> exactly because I was afraid to ask and then when some guy did lend me his phone and was not bothered at all I handed it back to him after five minutes without the answer because I felt like I'd used up too much of his time and this is the crazy stuff we do to ourselves day in and day out and so it was great because it was great material for a blog to show people this is the stuff we do and so when you talk about fear I love that because for me we want to investigate the the small fears not the why am I afraid so afraid of spiders I don't want to be near them but why do I not ask for what I want when you think about how we bring up kids at a very very early age we put them into a 
system, a system that says Monday to Friday, you go somewhere else. Between these times, it's bath time, it's bedtime, it's whatever. And when you actually start to look at it, it's really rare that we actually ask people, what is it you want? Because as, as adults, we're so busy, we just really want the kids to slot into our system. I think it's trained out of us to actually mm-hmm. really ask people, this is what I want, and just to put that inside the conversation. Mm-hmm. So we get so used to not actually expressing, this is what I want. And I think particularly as women, we get even more used to just fitting in or making it right for other people or offering a number of options and yet not actually selecting or even saying this is what I want. And so it becomes a new habit. I was thinking for both of you, you talked about life-changing. You know, in the work that you're doing, what was the biggest aha moment for both of you on your own journeys when it came to um, unlocking your own transformation or your own potential? What is it that really made a significant difference for you? So I had maybe seven six seven years ago I was um I was a change director uh, so I used to run um massive technical projects uh, which is bizarre because my background is human resources and um I was really good at it but it was busting my brain I mean literally like no one would ask me to work out how to put a one widget into another because I'm a people person right and I was just slowly going insane literally and I remember driving along to work Trying to flicking through songs on my iPod for about the hundredth time. I couldn't listen to anything for more than about five minutes, going, What am I here for? Literally, what am I here for? And I went to see my boss, who was ex army, so you can imagine how much this freaked him out. And I said, I need you to help me. And he said, Okay, why? And I said, um, I don't know why I'm on this planet. And if I don't work out soon, I'm going to leave. <laughs> and he said, um, Yeah, we'll get you a coach. Because he didn't really want to handle that. And so I went, I ended up going off um, to Spain for four weeks over the course of a year. And the deal I made with myself was it was a course called Leadership. And it was people all over the world who had decided they wanted to put more back into the world, but they didn't know how. And we met for, we, we met for four weeks over a year. And I decided I would show up metaphorically not really naked so who am I when I don't care what anybody else thinks about me and I didn't need these people to like me and what I uncovered was this massive heart that had been covered up for years because I had a big corporate job and so I'd been all about results and performance and career and progression and so I rocked back to work after just the first week. And I remember having a meeting with the, the now COO, who was my mentor. And I was like, little Miss Hippie. I was like, it's all about the love. And I remember one of the directors, another director walked in. He said, have you met Danielle since she came back from Spain? She's very freaky. What happened as a consequence of that, within, I think, three months, he came to me and he said, will you run the call centers? So I had 65 people at that point and no experience in customer service. And there were 10,000 in the call center. And I, I thought he was joking. And he said, um, I'm not joking, will you run them? And I said, but I'm not who I used to be. So you're not going to get this corporate animal anymore. I'm going to lead these people with love. And he said, I know, that's why we're choosing. And that was a really bold move for them as well, because they hadn't chosen leaders like that before. And so what I learned, Holly, which was just so liberating, was the more I was me uh, and the more I showed up with her, we, we improved performance by 140% in three years. And I wasn't the corporate cow anymore, you know, so everybody won. (laughs) So I say that was my sort of really pivotal moment. And from then, life just got exciting. And Nick has a completely different story, which is so lovely about us because we are yin and yang. I mean, that's part of our one plus one. I know, I like this. 
<laughs> yeah, and there's probably a, there's probably a direct link though to, to answer your question directly, Holly. I think mine was about really realizing that if I didn't tap into what it was I knew, my life was likely to just be car crash. And let me just explain a little bit about what that means. What I saw, similar to Danielle, was I was successful as well corporately, and yet I was dying inside. I was becoming grayer and grayer, and it was really strange because I was surrounded by all these successful, you know, shiny people, and yet when I looked in their eyes, their eyes were were dead there was just a sense of you just got to keep doing what we've been always been doing and working harder and whatever and I could feel like my soul was dying and I didn't really even at that point I didn't really understand really understand what that meant but what I did know what I truly truly did know was my future isn't here I know that my future isn't here and what I what I started to see really clearly was um, I was being guided, we call it by your wise one, I was being guided by something inside me, um, but I kept tuning her out because it was uncomfortable to listen to her, yeah. um, and I just kept creating a life where I was just becoming more and more tired, and, and maybe some of your listeners will, un- will understand this, you know that experience that you have where you are physically exhausted, and you put your head on the pillow, and all of a sudden, like, you are wired to the moon, like, you just cannot sleep, even though you're exhausted, and I just started to see, if I keep doing this, there's going to be no Nick left. Um, my relationships were, were short. You know, I, I, yes, I had plenty of money in the bank. I had an amazing life. But actually, I was empty. Um, and so what I started to see was, actually, let, let me tune into what is it I really, really know. And what I knew was, this is not my life. This is just a shell of a life. And from that, that led me to meditation. It led me to do, people laugh, but it led me to, to do a self-mastery course, which was um, months up in a mountain, again in Spain. I uh, trained to be a meditation teacher and became a, a modern day monk, took vows. And, um, and so my passion now is to bring that, you know, back out to the world to say to people, you know, life is meant to be lived it's not about just existing. It's not, and we're not just in corporate, you know, we, we loved our time in corporate and we still work with, with corporate organizations, but we're, we're a firm believer that you have to bring your whole self to that. Um, and, and certainly my experience was it was a wee bit, I often describe it, Holly, a wee bit like, you know, the, um, the, the Michael Jackson set of thriller mm-hmm. where you're just surrounded by the, all these ghosts and ghouls and Stuff. And I remember, similar to um, to Danielle, I came back from a from a, a long retreat, three months, I think it was, and I was literally sat in a meeting, and um, I was just looking around, thinking, why is nobody calling out what really needs to be said? You know, um, it, it just seemed so strange to me that people were in the what I call like nearly meetings rather than really meetings. Nobody was really talking about what needed to be said. They were there in body, but nobody was really there. And um, I remember coming out and one of my teams saying, can, can you see dead people now? <laughs> I was like, no, but I can see a crock of shit when I, when I see it. And that, this is the conversation that we need to be having, you know. So for me, it was all about really, really starting to tune into what is it I know? What is my wise one thing? And bringing that to all aspects of my life. So in a conversation, what, what do I know needs to be said? Saying that. What is it I know I need to do? Go and do that. And just making that the priority. I love that. And I'm glad you brought up leadership because I was thinking about it a lot while both of you were talking in the sense of sort of where is modern leadership hitting the mark and where does it miss? And particularly, I think, with both of what you were saying there, that it kind of relates back to that Google study around high-performing teams and that importance of psychological safety and that ability for leaders to create environments where people can 
bring their whole self to work, where people are capable of leading with heart. You know, some of these things may be in the model of leadership that I think we're moving away from, but that we built for the industrial age um, that weren't really celebrated or welcomed. I'd love your thoughts on kind of the leaders listening. And we do have a lot that are leading, you know, significantly large teams in all sorts of different arenas. What can they do better to allow you know, that full engagement of the people that are working with them? Well, I would, I'm in the middle of reading a really great book. I always think the answer for everything's in a book. So let me offer a book. There's a book by uh, Fred Kaufman called The Meaning Revolution. And Fred Kaufman is, I think he's like the chief philosopher at LinkedIn. So that's kind of his background. And he was in MIT for a long time studying incentives and um, all of that piece. And Here's what he says, which I think is bang on right. He says, an organization cannot change unless leaders are willing to do their own work. So if you're a leader listening um, to this right now, then my invitation to you is to get on your own path, to clear out as much of your stuff as you possibly can so that you show up honestly and authentically in every interaction at work. And by the way, let's not pretend that that's an easy thing to do. I think it's, it's really easy and exciting to get on the path, but to be willing to consistently say, I made a mistake here. Um, I'm going to go and try again. You're going to see something different. Because people are really quick to forgive themselves and not very quick to forgive other people. So the minute you show up out of sync with the things that you have said you were going to do, people are going to be waiting with their bows and arrows to shoot you down. And so the the practice of showing up in the world exactly as you are and really saying, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing my work to understand what needs to change. There's a really great section in that book where um, Fred Kaufman is doing work with Jeff Weiner. and Jeff Weiner says he wants to, he really wants to understand how he needs to change. And Fred goes out and he interviews his people and he says, what does Jeff do that drives you mad? Um, how could Jeff improve? And then he takes him back and he does this long coaching session with him. And um, Jeff does this really bold thing, which is he uses that report, which is like the most vulnerable, raw thing ever in existence, for his own performance evaluation with the board. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, there's not CEO in the land who would take that, you know, all the things I do that are poor that my people tell me to to his own performance evaluation, for his salary review and his shares and all the rest of it. And I don't know whether Jeff Wine is a perfect leader or not. I mean, he's had lots of um, accolades, but I do know that the leaders who are willing to say it starts with me, not you. It starts with me and it starts with me being willing to make changes are the ones who create transformational leadership in their organizations. And they're the, you know, when when organizations come to us and say, will you work with our women? Then we say, yes, if you are ready for the system to change, because we will not teach your women how to survive in your environment. We will teach them to be compelling and inspiring leaders. And as a consequence of that, things will change. So don't take us on if you're not ready for that. We've learned how important it is to do this Holly because I can remember in, a, in both of our times when when we worked in corporate I can remember the MD coming up to me one day and saying will you stop waking people up like they're really doing different things now and what we started to see was often in organizations people say that they want to change but actually what they really want is to keep people within the system and for everybody else to change and, and I you know my background is in leadership development and talent and I I was always really clear when I worked with organizations I am not here to keep people here um, I'm here for them to be their best selves and sometimes what you see is it's time for people to leave you know they've woken up they've seen that there's something else and rather than organizations being afraid of that there's something about embracing that because it creates a space for the next person to step into 
Um, and, and that's really, really important. And the build that I would offer to, to Danielle's excellent answer is, is there's something for me around congruence. We were super lucky recently to, um, to be in the company of Michelle Obama. And one of the words which was so clear when we saw her was she was congruent. You had a sense that wherever you saw her, um, that, that was who she was. She was very clear. She wasn't about being perfect, but she was about this is who I am. And she used a really, she, she said something like, I am Michelle Obama and I am only Michelle Obama. She brought a humility, a sense of connection and empathy to her conversation. And I think sometimes as leaders, we're striving so hard to pretend to be somebody, to get it right, to do the status thing, you know, to, back to your point, Holly, of to try to, to block out the noise of the imposter syndrome, that actually what people really want is, are you human? Can, can you just see me? Can you hear me? Can you relate to me? Can you stop pretending that you've got it all sorted? Can we talk? Can we talk as, as two human beings? And I think sometimes for certain leaders, when they get into the role of leader, it's like they put on this armory or they put on this persona and it creates a disconnection. And actually what people really want is, are you congruent? When you say you're going to do something, is that who you are? Or is it just, you know, some leadership values that you've swallowed that you're now spouting out at me? Um, if I meet you as a HR person, are you just going to put the process in front of me or can we have a real conversation about what needs to happen here? And so often it leads to car crash because people are not relating as two human beings with all the emotion and the humanness of that. They're putting status or role or title at the front. I love that. And, and something you both have talked about in terms of the power in your own lives, but also just in reflecting on um, like what you're saying there about leadership is the power of what questions you're asking of yourself and of other people. I, I'd love, you know, if you were to challenge our audience to spend some time reflecting on a particular question that they could challenge either themselves to ask individually of themselves, look in the mirror and reflect back or to ask of key people in their lives or their team members, what's the most powerful question for you right now? Well, here's what I'm playing with at the moment, which I think would be great for your listeners. If you were to look back on your life in 25 years' time, what would you want to see and what would you want people to be saying about you? And the reason I say that is if you're willing to go that far into the future, so for me, 10,000 women plus out in the world, leading with heart and impact, right? But 25 years is a long time away. And so what's really exciting about that is um, 90 days is 1% of 25 years. Oh, I like that. Exactly. So if I'm willing for the next 90 days to just move that mission forward by 1%, I don't have the whole pressure of I've got to find 10,000 women now. I just have to move it forward by 1%. And so it's this, who do we want to be? What do we want to be known for? What's our mission in the world? And then the tiniest, tiniest step forward in that space. Because if we can keep you on mission, we take you away from ego, right? Totally away from ego and into What's the impact I want to create in the world? Who do I want to be as a leader? And the thing I, we both know for sure, we ask the question all the time. If you ask people to honestly say, in my full potential, what would I be doing in my full potential? They know what they're capable of, Holly. They know they can be CEOs. They know they can be game changers. They know they can be world changers. But because they don't know how to create all of that in this exact moment, they stop and do none of it. Right. So if we can have you in owning it, I, if give me 25 years, of course, I could become prime minister or 
um, CEO of a big company or um, the, the world's leading doctor, whatever that looks like, and then just move forward 1% in the next three months, that's a game we all want to play. Listen, Holly, when we speak to women and we say at a scale of 0 to 10, where, are you play, where are you playing in terms of your potential, they normally stay between three and six. And of course, what we love about that is they know, they know that there is more juice in the, in the, in the tank, right? So, so often when women go, oh, but I can't, I can't. Well, hold on. We know you've got the juice in the tank because you've already said between three and six. So all we have to do is really get you plugged into exactly as Danielle said, this 1%. Okay. Just dial it up just a little bit, just dial it up a little bit. And before you know, you know, there's real, when you get consistency, you get momentum and there's such power in that. And so if you can't find your mission, the question is, if I was living into my full potential, what would I be doing? Mm. Right. And then say to yourself, would I be happy in 25 years time if I looked back and said I'd done that? Yeah. And then start on your, what's my 1% for the next three months? I love the, I love the way you break that down because I think people can sometimes be overwhelmed by how, uh, how grand a vision they might have or how big they know their potential is if they truly let themselves uh, admit it. Um, and that idea of going that 1% just makes it so much more, um, uh, yeah, achievable, I guess is the word. Uh, you two are actually our first duo uh, to feature on the podcast, which is very exciting. So I feel like I've got to ask, what does it take to make a great partnership work? Honesty. Yeah. And, and, the, and love. Love. And, I, and we, there's another tool that we, that we, uh, we teach and we practice. I mean, maybe there isn't time to talk about it on this podcast right now, but there's something that we call ruthless compassion. Um, and ruthless compassion is about being, we use the phrase, Holly, which is we care so much we don't care. What that means is we are willing to say whatever needs to be said or do whatever needs to be done in service of the other person. And so often what happens in relationships is you you go, yeah, but what if they won't like me? And what if it damages it? And, and what if we can't come back from this? I'm just and thinking not- about that even in the context of workplace feedback and how rare it is that we practice ruthless compassion because we go, oh, geez, won't they like me? Or how will they respond? Or maybe they'll get angry. And how important that is to actually, you know, for integrity of relationship, but also the achievement of outcome. Yeah, and we talk about the, the low dream and the high dream, don't we? And so the low dream, obviously, is, gosh, what if I say this and exactly as you said, it's damaged the relationship and we never come back from it. But what about the high dream? What if I am the one person who was in front of that that person for that moment who, who was the one that managed to give them a piece of insight that actually changed the whole trajectory of their life? What if I was the person that was willing to say what so many other people haven't been willing to say that actually they needed to hear? And what if, what if me saying it and me being brave enough to say it actually transformed everything for them? So to bring it back to Danielle and I, we were just talking about this just recently, you know, a bit like what you said, it is a marriage. We consistently keep showing up and saying, right, who do I need to be in service of her? How, what is it I can bring to this? which means that actually both of us are consistently calling out each other. Is it always easy? No. And and we know exactly as we said at the beginning of this podcast, one plus one equals three. And if you keep holding on to, but this is what we've got now and what, if, there's no growth there. And back to everything that we've said, we are all about being our best versions for ourselves. And the only way we can be out in the world doing this is by demonstrating this is how you do it. Mm. This is how you do it, you know? Um, and I, I, I love the bones of this woman. I cannot tell you, <laughs> tell you how much I love for, her, for, for this woman, you know. And I think having that means that you consistently want the best for each other and you want the best for her. 
Now, I've got one final question that we like to ask all of our guests, and that is, um, and I loved it because I felt like the two of you were two Power Rangers on the website. One of you is like the Action Power Ranger and the other is the Transformation Power Ranger. Um, but I would love you uh, to leave our audience with a call to action. What would you like to encourage them to go and do when they take their earbuds out at the end of this conversation? What, what can they go and action? I'd like to answer it as a question. I don't know if there's a call Please. for action. Apology, apologies if, it, if, it, if it's not Holly. One of the things that, that I learned in a really remarkable way last year was to play with a question, which is, what if this was easy? What if this was easy? And um, so many of our women, um, you create an environment where you go, but it's hard, it's hard, you don't understand how hard it is. And I think if they were to take something away from me, I would ask them to play with as many times as they can in a day. What if this was easy? Because there's something really incredible happens when you when you go through life and go, I really don't know how to do that. What if it was easy? Well, if it was easy, then I would just ask for what I wanted. And if it was easy, then we would just take 1% of a 25-year plan and we would just do that. And I, I would like people just to play with what if it was easy and, yep. to con- and to use that so consistently that what you start to do is rewire your brain away from what if it was hard and done and that too a different way of accessing light and joy and ease because life is meant to be easy. And some way, somehow, we've created this this illusion that it has to be hard and it's simply not true. It is simply not true. So that, that for me, would be people's takeaway. What if it was easy? Imagine that. Seeing all the reasons why we can instead of all the reasons why we can't. Exactly right. Awesome. Danielle? And mine would be, well, here's an invitation to be bold. In the next seven days, speak out into the world to one person at least who you know you're capable of being. Um, Find somebody and just say, do you know what? If I was really speaking my truth, I know I could be prime minister. I know I could write a book. I know I could have my art displayed on the walls of a big museum. Because the moment you start speaking it and living into this is what I'm capable of, those dreams will find their own momentum. And here's what I firmly believe. And I know that your listeners are exactly the kind of people we want to reach. We need more good people out in the world living into their full impact and loving every moment of it. So that's my request. In the next seven days, speak to one person around. If I was not trying to be humble or arrogant or not be arrogant or anything else, this is who I believe I can be in the world. Both of them, I know, in some ways are going to make our listeners uncomfortable, um, you know, in the sense that rewiring is hard because I think you're right. We're, we're geared. I remember a mentor catching me on my language a few years ago, sort of saying, why does it always have to be hard, Holly? Why does your, why does your language keep going to these, these tough and difficult and all that sort of language? And it was the first time I'd got a consciousness around the way I was framing the particular goal I was in pursuit of. And I went, oh, my gosh, you're right. Why does it have to be hard? Um, and so that was a big shift that fundamentally changed my success rate. And, and to use your word, Nick, the ease with which, uh, all of a sudden my life started to come to fruition. And I think that I, I love that Marianne Williamson quote that it's actually, you know, who we are truly capable of being that we're afraid of. It's not, you know, the, our limitations and our, and the darkness that scares us. It's the true light of what we're capable of being in the world. So that idea of, speaking that out loud is just so powerful. Um, I want to thank you both for the generosity with which you've shared today, but also the pragmatism. I feel like there's so much in uh, what the two of you have enlightened our listeners with that's going to be really powerful in helping them access new tools and and frame entirely new possibilities for themselves. So thank you for your work and thank you for, for sharing your story and your advice with us today. 
Well, thank you to you for doing this work. I think just hearing your story on the podcast this morning, um, why you do it, was just super inspiring to us. And so you've given us some rocket fuel to get out in the world and, and dial up ours, which is what it's all about. So maybe we're a one plus one plus one equals five today. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. Thank you so much, ladies. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired and have some practical ideas for how you can go and fuel the difference you want to see in your life, organization, or community. If that's a yes, please take a moment to send us feedback, shoot me a tweet at Holly Ransom, leave a review for this coffee pod, or head to www.coffeepodswithholly.com and send in your questions and suggestions for future coffee pods. But for now, until our next coffee break, I've been Holly Ransom. Thanks for fueling your difference with me.